As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Welcome back, or welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, where we sometimes discuss U.S. Olympic athletes, adult film stars, and sportsman drag racing. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Big Jed, Jared Pennington. Big Jed is live from his home in Alabama. I am coming to you from my home in Southern Illinois. And uh, Big Jed, you're not a world champion. Uh, no, Luke, I, uh, I come up uh, about six rounds short of it. Got close. Got down, made it all the way down the first round, about a, about a third of the way through first round is where I got to. So I didn't finish last. That sounds like you got down. Uh, I did get really close. What's Made that? Down uh, yeah, I'd say somewhere in there, somewhere about, about 40 cars left, which sounds like a really good performance. But uh, unfortunately, it was not. Got whooped up on by one of your I-57 boys. Oh. Uh, Dax. Got Dax got on me. Dax. Yeah. Dax showed you a whole Dax. lot of yellow. Dax did show me a whole lot of yellow and a whole lot of wind light in his lane. So. But I had a great time, Luke. It was a, it was a really good event. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't perform very well, but we'll talk about it more here coming up. But um, all in all, really, really good event. We will dive into the IHRA World Championships. We've got champions crowned. We will preview the Jags All-Stars. We'll look back on the Class Racer Revival. We're going to break down the NHRA Lucas Oil points chases, as promised, with a little game of that's true. That might be true. That's ridiculous. Looking forward to that. But let's start in Holly Springs, Big Jed. IHRA World Champions were crowned. You were there. I was not. I will defer to you overall since you were on the premises. But just zooming out, big picture. Well, let's let's start with the winners. Jeremy Heffler won top ET. Wesley Lockhart won modified. Aaron Richards is your sportsman world champion. Kane Austin, motorcycle champ. AJ Leung the junior dragster world champion. And just looking at this from a helicopter view, Big Jen, it's it's kind of broad to say that the right champions were crowned, 
But specifically in Top ET and Modified, when I think about the IHRA and what they built in that series as it pertains to 2023, honestly, the first two racers that I think of to personify that are Jeremy Heffler and Wesley Lockhart. Those two guys have been dominant all season, racing locally, if not regionally, dominating their areas, which is what the IHRA is built around. And then to see those two specifically go and put the icing on the cake, if you will, by winning the world championship, like it just felt like, with all due respect to everyone that competed in that event, it felt like the right outcome. Yeah, Luke, uh, you know, if if there is such a thing as a favorite in a race like that, um, those guys would have been at the top of the list for most of your top and mod um, people that were making choices. So um, Jeremy Heffler obviously had a difficult 2022, uh, a great career overall. 2022 was rough to him. 2023 has been phenomenal. He is, uh, he is proving why he's a legend in this sport. He drove very well, you know, obviously – Got a break or two here or there, but overall, you know, he drove like a champion. He earned his way there. It was great to see him get the win. Uh, you know, obviously, he won $20,000 and an Ezel uh, dragster, rolling Ezel dragster chassis. A really nice piece from Johnny Ezel. So it was uh, it was really great to see that. And, and he did feel like the right champion for sure. Wesley Lockhart, people were picking him left and right. Uh, that guy is unbelievable. Luke, I... I'm pretty sure his worst light in competition on Saturday was a 17. Now he's swapping feet. He's not aided by anything um, other than his hand-eye coordination and was seven dead, seven in the final against Grant Zimmerman, which was last year's world champion, was invited back. I thought that was a cool move by HRA to invite back the 2022 world champions. And Zimmerman went all the way to the final round to come up short against Wesley. Wesley won $20,000 and a beautiful 28-foot Intech trailer, uh, enclosed Intech trailer. So those guys won tremendous packages, and they drove very, very well. And certainly, I could see the sentiment that the right champions were crowned because those two earned their way there, and they were they were among the, the better racers at that event, for sure, if not just in the country in general. No, and... and- you can confirm this or, or perhaps deny it. My understanding was not only was Wesley Lockhart's worst light in competition, 17. My understanding is that's the only round that he was not double O. Oh, I did not know that. Uh, which was surprised because I heard a lot of that. <laughs> I heard a lot of that coming out of him. Just the guy's phenomenal. He chooses to sleep in his own bed. He really don't like to travel. He doesn't get out very much. And the rest of the world in foot break or bottom bulb needs to be thankful for that because <laughs> He, uh, he would take his share of wins. Incredible. He really is a great, great racer. And then, you know, on down through the category, Aaron Richard really drove well in the sportsman category. Got that done. Uh, he won, I think, $7,000 and uh, a brand new open trailer uh, from BNC. Kane Austin, you know, the motorcycle class is, to me, I don't, don't really follow it or keep up with it, but it was very competitive there. I mean, it was champion motorcycle racers. It was cool. There was even a snowmobile there, uh, probably the first time a snowmobile has ever been cranked in the state of Mississippi. So uh, a lot of people <laughs> were looking at it. You know, I, I, I was joking around with some people and told them like a bobsled was out there racing, but it was just, it was a weird look for a race in Mississippi, but it was cool. Cool class. Kane Austin got a new uh, swing arm to go with his win. And then 
AJ Leong, that kid drove very, very well, earned that victory and, and also got the, I think it was $5,000 and a, a custom golf cart from, um, uh, shoot, I can't remember, darkcarts.com or something like that. But uh, really great packages, tremendous event. As I said, first round loss for me. The crowd was really good. I think it was 260-ish. So uh, really, really good showing there. I'm pretty sure most everybody showed up. There might have been a, a handful of racers, all classes combined, that didn't make it. Uh, uh, Holly Springs Motorsports staff did a great job. IHRA staff did a great job. The track was excellent. Staff was very friendly. The event ran like a well-oiled machine. You know, all the champions performed extremely well. And Paige, uh, our our own Paige Hamlin here on the podcast, she's uh, part of that IHRA staff. Her and, and Nina Bishop and, and Doug Foley Jr., those guys, along with everybody else that was on the staff, they were all working extremely hard, making sure the thing went smooth. And it was a 10 out of 10 for me, Luke. The only thing that would have made it better was been some wind lights in my lane, but JJ announced the main event that day. So uh, pretty much a very memorable event for us, even though we didn't perform very well. Yeah, just watching along on the live feed, it had that feel. We talked about this a little bit off air. Like it had that million dollar race, U.S. Nationals. Like you could just tell that there was an excitement, uh, an electricity, if you will, in the air. And that even came across through the live feed. So it looked like the atmosphere was incredible. Well, good. I'm glad it looked that way. Uh, You know, it's a it was a little different look. Uh, Chad with bangship.com is the, the guy that does their live feeds. And it was a great production, really good show. It looks a little different than what we see from the Motor Mania TV crew, but it was really good coverage. And I'm glad the event came off that way to the, to the folks watching online, because that's certainly how it felt there at the event. It was, the atmosphere was electric and you could tell that, that people were genuinely excited to be there. And of course, they all earned their way there and they knew it was a relatively small field in their class for a, a tremendous prize package along with a, a great purse. So you can understand the atmosphere being that way, but it, it exceeded my expectation if that's even possible. But it was it was awesome. Really going to try hard to get back there next year. Just a couple of, of, of quick hitters to, to share some insight on the on the, the non-Jeremy Heffler, Wesley Lockhart winners like you. I don't really follow the motorcycle. I can't give much insight on Kane Austin. Aaron Richards, he came from US 41. My one trip to US 41 this year, they ran this big dollar bracket race. They ran no box separate. It's not often that a high seven second car comes through the no box side, particularly in that area. Like that is a hotbed, as you well know, of, of bottom bulb competition. Guess who the last no box car standing that day was? Aaron Richards. And he rolled through a couple of box cars. We were at three cars left. Aaron Richards was still in that race. So I was familiar with that name. I was happy to see him get that huge win world championship. And AJ Leon, junior dragster world champ. AJ, AJ was a part of This Is Bracket Racing Elite, like full transparency for a few months before we even launched This Is Bracket Racing Junior. And then he transitioned over to that. But I had a conversation with AJ on one of our live calls. This is just a little glimpse into who this young man is at, at 17 years old, I believe. So we're all the kids were talking about big events coming up, you know, typically within the last month of the season is the biggest event for everybody, right? Regardless of what that may be for AJ, obviously it was this opportunity at the world finals. And I was just trying to to ask each of them to kind of put into perspective, like, how are you framing this? Like, what are you thinking about as you prepare for you know, the biggest event, the most pressure, things like that. And AJ gets on there and he sounds like he's 47 and he's 17. Just in terms of maturity, he says, well, 
this isn't my last year in junior dragsters. I've got one more year, but I'm going to graduate this summer. I'm going to go off to college. Like, I don't really know what racing looks like next year. I don't know if I'll have another opportunity like this. So I just want to soak it all in, you know, whatever, whatever that brings. And just having that kind of humility, that gratitude, I thought, man, like, that's what I was going to say. It's not what I expected you to say. You know what I mean? But just the way that he framed that throughout and you could just, I don't know what it was like there and talking to him after the fact, Big Jed, but my assumption is that that kind of poise and maturity carried him throughout the day. So I was really happy to see AJ get that. Yeah, definitely sounds very wise beyond his years, Luke, and, and somebody that has the, the right frame of mind when they go to the starting line or certainly go to the track. So those are the type of things, especially at that age, that separate him. He obviously kept a cool head and a calm demeanor about him to, to go out and accomplish what he did. But he was, you know, he didn't look his way into it. He was driving really well and certainly proved uh, that, that he belonged and ultimately got that, that final round win. So I would uh, definitely look for big things out of AJ as he progresses through his racing career. So the IHRA World Finals, huge win, right? Very well run, very well received event. Another very well run, very well received event. Not class racer revival 2.0, Big Jed. They ran for 10 grand on a Tuesday in a number of different classes up at Worldwide Technology Raceway. Huge turnout event was a great success, which I love to see. As I've said before, I love that format of racing, class racing, index racing. And I love the opportunity to get to do it for real money, perhaps a little bit outside of the NHRA structure. It was an awesome experience. I was really glad to see that go well. And kudos to, to Tyler Bohannon, Brian Whitworth, and their entire team. It was an awesome event. And we crowned some familiar, if perhaps unexpected winners, Big Jed. And that started in Stock Eliminator, where that madass got the win it wasn't an eighth mile top ball bracket race big jed matt Battis to the front stock eliminator driving joey ships nova the first time he sat in it rolled through one of the most talented stock eliminator fields you'll find anywhere and got that ten thousand dollar victory in the end over matt morris your thoughts i know we're not surprised we know we know matt's acumen we know matt's ability but it's pretty impressive to just hop into a whole new world in a whole new race car and get the results that we expect from Matt Davis. Yeah, you know, if we if we played the one-word game here, Luke, I would say one word. Surpri surprising, not in terms of what I think he's capable of, but that it would even interest him to the level that he would go there to compete in that uh, that Tuesday race. But the $10,000 is obviously, the ten, there's 10,000 reasons why he did it. But not uh, not a shocker at all. I mean, I know how good Matt Dattis is. Um, you know, the, the category that he was competing in, Stock Eliminator, is a very difficult category. You, you need a little seat time to go out there and be good with the Quadrajet carburetor and, you know, reading the air and those types of things. He obviously had uh, people around him that could help him with that part if he didn't know it already. But the Stock Eliminator category does not want to see Matt get interested and in, in doing that type of racing very often. Now, they're not scared of anyone over there. Those those some some great racers, but you just you don't want people with all the skills possible to to get interested in the category. It's the it's the Hunter Patton uh, syndrome where where he's entering Super Comp. It's a it's a Shark Tank already, and now you're adding a, a killer shark to the to the list. That's what Matt is. 
very impressive for him to go out and get that done against Matt Morris, you know, um, just really cool deal. So you're right, or I agree with you in that the stock eliminator field at large does not want to see Matt Dadas taking an interest in that category. I'll also temper that interest and say it's very clear. Matt Dadas was interested in the class racer 2.0. I text Matt at noon the next day to see what he was up to. And he was in Ohio. And they were, we were still <laughs> racing in St. Louis. Not so much interested in stock limiter, interested in that particular event, which speaks to that well, event. Well, Luke, he wouldn't have he wouldn't have been eligible. He wouldn't have he wouldn't have been able to get in the field, right? I mean no, it's a divisional no, event. No. You can get in. Okay, everybody. That's right. Everybody gets in. It, right. it wasn't it wasn't an issue of ineligibility. It was an issue of not being interested in racing for two thousand dollars like the rest of us idiots. I get Superstock winner at the Class Racer Revival, Matt's buddy, Pete Dagnolo. And I'll tell you this, Big Jed, it's no shock when we see that name atop is it the, the, the roster in Superstock. It's to the point that we're kind of immune to it. Maybe it doesn't even seem all that impressive. If you watched in person what Pete Dagnolo did on Tuesday night, it was damn impressive because I don't know what Pete Dagnolo could run, but I know it was a lot faster than that 954 he had on the window. A lot faster, Big Jed. My man was not messing around. He had a run against, I don't even remember who he raced, somebody good. And they came by me. I'm sitting in the bleachers, eighth mile. They came by me and I thought, oh man, that dude missed the tree because Pete was done wearing him out. And then the scoreboards lit up and I went, he didn't miss it that bad. <laughs> <laughs> he went Jeff Sarah on him. But it was way faster than what was on the window. Yeah, obviously one of the best in the game. Uh, really cool to see him get that done again. You know, not sure Pete would have made that trip to St. Louis. I don't think points is uh, is something that he's chasing after this year. So that ten thousand dollars was something that uh, that struck a chord with him, and he uh, went a long way to get it, Luke, and accomplished the goal. So great to see Pete get that done. I, I would like to see him do some of that driving too. I, I enjoy that, especially in the in those uh, stock and super stock categories. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing to just start pumping the throttle at 600 feet. It's another thing when every pump's going eight grand plus. The, night, it's, it, it, <laughs> the audio is fantastic. Um, another winner from Tuesday night at the Class Race Revival, Super Comp winner. How about Trené Crisani? He went back to back, Big Jed. He owned the week, at least the early part of the week or the late part of the week, however you want to look at it, at Worldwide Technology Raceway. He won his first national event. The Sunday prior, he continued that hot streak with the $10,000 windfall in Tuesday's Class Racer Revival. He went rounds at the Divisional 2. Trinae put on a show at Worldwide Technology Raceway. Beat one racer that I'm very familiar with. And the final quick shout out to my wife, Jessica. She drove the wheels off of that thing, advanced to the final round, actually made a great late lap beside Trinae. Trinae was just unbeatable uh, in that, that stretch there at St. Louis. Yeah, I was keeping up with that a little bit. Jessica obviously drove very well. I know you were proud, and, and you guys took a great strategy to the to the final round, and and she performed very well. To come up a little bit short to a, a really solid run and a solid racer. Trené with the you know with the the two races of that week that that you want to win the national and the the ten thousand dollar to win two class revival so class race revival so. Uh, tremendous performance by Trené, you know, is something to be said for when you get on a roll and you can stay over after winning the national and compete for $10,000 on a Tuesday. Not too bad. Trené rode that train all the way to the, to the bank. So great job by him. And again, 
congrats to Jess. That was a, it was a really strong performance, especially for somebody that don't get in the seat uh, as much as, uh, as a lot of the racers she stages. Other winners from Class Racer Revival 2.0, T.C. Smith was your super gas winner, over one Jesse Fritz, who continued his phenomenal season. Jim Glenn with the win in top dragster with one of the slowest cars in the field. Reigning Super Comp World Champion Jim Glenn, he got that victory over Darian Bosch, another former NHRA World Champion. Steve Yeager won top sportsman over Jeff Brooks. And Glenn Treadwell got the $10,000 check in competition eliminator, defeating Jeff Connolly in his top sportsman car in competition eliminator. So congrats to all of those. Again, congrats to Tyler and Brian. Awesome event. Hope to see more of that in the future. Big Jed, and sticking with the NHRA theme, Division Two crowned their Summit ET champions. We've got a tickets punched situation. I believe this was the last division to punch tickets to Vegas. And those representing, it's not the Dixie Rebels anymore, right? They had to change that. What is the Southeast East Oh, yeah, we, we definitely couldn't. Couldn't be called the Dixie Rebels. Uh, I have no idea. We don't even have an NHRA track where I'm at. So I don't pay a whole lot of attention to that. But um, we'll just call them Division Two. Luke. Fair enough. <laughs> Some great performances there. Uh, you know, these guys obviously competing for their bracket finals championship and the opportunity to go to Las Vegas and race the world finals there for NHRA and the sportsman categories. And some great racers out of Division Two headed that way. Uh, Mike Bally won Super Pro, longtime tough racer here in our division. Jesse Edens was the pro, which uh, will, for people that don't know, that is the bottom bulb category in an HRA. They call it pro. Jesse Edens got that win. Tough racer from up uh, around the Bristol area. I know Jesse races over there at Bristol quite a bit. Um, got the win uh, over an absolute legend in the sport, Tim Butler. Uh, Tim, you know, it was a tough out anytime, especially in a final round. So great win there by Jesse. Van Greer got the sportsman win. Van not in the uh, suburban. Not in the suburban, uh, in the in the short bed S10 that he's got. Cool little hot rod. Uh, Van has been a, a tremendous talent for many, many decades. Uh, definitely a local Bristol racer. So Team Bristol did extremely well there. Um, Santi Rodriguez, I don't know Mr. Rodriguez, won the motorcycle category. And um, that's a, a bit of a surprise. Anytime uh, Mr. Hagedorn is in the field uh, and he doesn't win, that's a, that's a little bit of a shocker because I still see him as the best motorcycle racer ever. So uh, Santi uh, must have performed extremely well. And he'll go to uh, Las Vegas and represent the motorcycles in Division Two. And obviously there's all divisions are tickets punched now. Uh, the field is set. We'll cover that coming up here in a, a future show, a, a very near future show of all the uh, Summit ET World Champion competitors that will go to Vegas and compete. I just did a little crack research, Big Jed. Division three, that's the land of the winners. Right? Division four, that's the good guys. Division five, the high and mighty. D6, land of the leaders. D7's the Magnificent 7. D1, we're number one. Division two is the Southeast Division. You nailed it. Shouts <laughs> to the Southeast Division for their creativity. All those cool names in my division just went no salt, no pepper, no nothing. Just went as plain as we could go. We are the Southeast Division. All right, Jed, I want to play, I want to pay homage now to a, a podcast that I listen to. I don't, I don't know how many of our listeners follow this. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a hoops head, right? 
So one of my favorite NBA podcasts is called The Mismatch. Hosts Chris Vernon and Kevin O'Connor over on The Ringer. And every now and then on The Mismatch, they play a game that I enjoy listening to, Big Jed. They call it, that's true, that might be true, that's ridiculous. In which one of the hosts makes statements and the other says, that's true, that might be true, that's ridiculous. We thought about taking this idea, kind of branding it as our own, maybe like, that's a fact, Jack, maybe. That's preposterous. We decided, nah, I like their verbiage. We'll just we'll just pay homage to the mismatch. So Big Jed, let's frame this. NHRA championship chase. There are just five races left on the schedule. We're Dallas this weekend for the national, national events in Vegas, and the season finale in Pomona. Next weekend, there's a the final Division II event in Rockingham. And then there's obviously the season-ending Lucas Oil Series event in Las Vegas. That's it five races left on the schedule, you'd think that the championship picture at this point would be clear. It's not. Basically in any category. So let's roll through it. That's true. That might be true. That's ridiculous. Hey, Luke. So I've got a few statements here, and uh, and obviously you'll respond with one of those uh, answers or titles. So first up, true, might be true, or ridiculous. Brandon Miller will be your 2023 Top Sportsman National Champion. No, that's that's true. I told you that a week ago. What are we even doing here? Yes, yes, done. Yeah, I, it was over a week ago. Now it might even be official. I, it, I don't think it's official official yet, but it might as well be. It's close. Mike Moorhead, we said, had the best shot. He's locked out. And he had a good week in St. Louis. I think he semi and quartered. He can't do enough now. There's not enough, not enough meat left on the bone. He cannot catch Brandon Miller. I think there's a few others that could, but it would take multiple wins in the handful of remaining races. And that's assuming that Brandon Miller doesn't improve and he's likely to improve. So, um, yeah, it's true. It's over. Brandon Miller, top sportsman. Got a true there on number one. How about number two, Luke? Kyle Rizzoli will win his first and second world championship this season. Not just one. That might be true. That, That might be true. So let's take up one class at a time. Despite falling early in Bakersfield at both events last weekend, Kyle's still got a stranglehold on Stockland. Like he's, it's not over, but he's the favorite. He's, he's 33 points ahead at this point. He still has three opportunities to improve on a second round loss at the national event level. So odds are his score is just going to go up. If it doesn't go up, Jeff Strickland, Tyler Bohannon, they both have a, a shot. Like they are the two that could unseat him. And boy, if Tyler did it, I'd look smart, right? Like that, that'd be awesome from, from a personal standpoint. But Strick has to improve at his last divisional event. He's technically got two races left on the ledger. But if you've been following along, you know that Jeff Strickland has a perfect national event score. He can't improve that. Three wins, it's the best you can do. So if he's going to make any ground, it has to be at the last divisional. If he were to win his last divisional, which presumably will be at Rockingham, he would go to 687 points which would put him 21 ahead of the current total by Kyle Rizzoli. Even at that, if Strick does all that he can do, wins that last event, Kyle Rizzoli has three national events left. And if he could appear in round four at one of them, he would retake the lead. Tyler Bohannon, he's in a similar position. He's got two national events remaining at which he could better his score. Win one of those, and he would go to 686 points. Similar scenario to Strickland. If Rizzoli stages for round four at one of those national events, he retakes the lead. So it looks really good for him in stock. So I thought you were going to say Kyle Rizzoli is going to win a world championship. I'd say that might even be true, right? But to win two a week ago, I said, yeah, I mean, he's on the fringes looking in. But in Superstock, 
Riz is not the favorite now, but after winning Sunday in Bakersfield, he's in the mix. And actually, that was a high drama final round, Big Jed. We had Kyle Rizzoli against Brad Burton. Final round, two guys that are vying for the Superstock World Championship. And if you're in this for the content, if you're in it for the drama, which we are, you know, at this point, like, I don't, I don't have a rooting interest. I like all of these guys, right? Like, I just want the best story. The best story was definitely Rizzoli coming out on the top of that matchup for two reasons. Number one, it keeps Riz in the picture. And number two, had Brad Burton won that? It's not over, but like that dude would be in the driver's seat. It's a two-round swing win to runner-up. Rizzoli getting that win keeps it interesting on, on both levels. Um, so at this point where we're at in Superstock, Brian still leads. And I said a week ago, like, okay, cool story. Brian Warner won his last division race. He's leading, but that lead's not going to hold up. I didn't mean any disrespect by that, but I still feel that way. I don't think that lead's going to hold up, but I wouldn't have thought it'd get through the weekend. And he's still the leader as we record today. So there's a possibility that that holds up. I don't think that's likely. Tyler Kahili, Wyatt Wagner, Brad Burton, they've all, they're all right behind him. They probably have the best chances to win any of those three. And I don't know that one has a significantly better chance than another. Plus, it's not just those four guys, like still in the mix. You've got Monty Joe Bogan, Rizzoli, Ryan Monford, Ryan McClanahan. There's others still like mathematically in the picture, but I just rattled off eight names that none of them winning the championship would be a surprise at this point. So for Riz to win both, he's not the favorite in Superstock. He's definitely the favorite in stock. I mean, in Superstock, he'd probably have to make, he'd probably have to make two final rounds at, at his remaining three national events. He might even have to win them both. But like, if you're just keeping score for this season, that doesn't seem out of the question for Kyle Rizzoli. Like, I'm not going to say it's not possible. It's not likely, but he's got a shot. And man, this, we've been saying it all year, this superstock chase, Jed, unreal. I mean, we're talking eight, nine guys with five races left that still have a legit claim to a shot. And that's not even mathematical. It goes on further than that. And the talent there, like those are all household names that I just rattled off. It's one thing, but the storylines, like I'm here for the story, Jen. Every one of those stories would be amazing. What if Riz gets not one championship, but two? If Burton wins, think about what he went through. He lost it on the last round of the season to Jimmy Hidalgo Jr. in Stock Eliminator last year. He backs that up with a Superstock win. Like that's a, with a Superstock championship, I should say. That's a feel-good story. Similar for Ryan McClanahan. Like he's battled and come out on the short end of the championship battle a couple of times in recent years. If he gets it. If Wyatt Wagner wins, I mean, what's Wyatt, like 12? No, I mean, he's he's legit. He's probably 20, but he's he's definitely the next generation, one of the talented up-and-comers. That's a great story. Tyler Kahili to have the season that he's had, and you've talked about the the work that he does behind the scenes. Like, that dude is in a, a high-stress, like, growing business, and Tyler's been a good racer for a long time, but he's never flirted with a championship to basically come out of, I don't want to say nowhere, but make this run this season. That's an awesome story. If Monty Joe wins it, I mean, he's racing full time for the first time in decades in memory of his father. Like any one of these champions win it. If Brian Warner holds on after I said that he wouldn't a month ago, like any one of these would be tremendous stories. Superstock's awesome. Yeah, I mean, regardless of your interest in the category, Luke, if that doesn't get you pumped up and excited to see that many players, especially that kind of talent, really still in the mix, and, and it's almost the middle of October, I mean, this is incredible. The Superstock points chase is fascinating, to say the least, and certainly great breakdown on your part. And to still 
be not necessarily anybody's game, but anybody in that eight, nine person list still with the possibility of winning, that's freaking exciting. And certainly Kyle has a, has a monumental task in front of him, but you know, that's a, that is a dream season if he could get both of those done. So I'm sure he'll be ultra focused. It's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. So uh, obviously at this point, that just might be true. So we got to might be true on that one. It is possible. Good stuff. How about number three? Assuming he gets at least one title, and I think that's a fair assumption for one Kyle Rizzoli, his name will be removed to top the list of best racers to have not won an NHRA Lucas Oil Series National Championship. A lot of great racers have never won one. Assuming he gets at least one title this season, Rizzoli's name will be removed from that list. A top that lit. Yeah, that's that's the connotation here. So assuming he gets at least one championship this season, Kyle Rizzoli's name would be removed atop the list of the best racers to have not won a Lucas Oil's National Series championship. All right, I'm gonna, if I'm going to pick this apart and say that's ridiculous for a couple of reasons. Like we're, we're getting, we're splitting hairs here, but if we're talking the best racer to never win an NHRA World Championship, like I can include I can include Gary Williams and Nick Hastings in that. Like those are the best racers never, never won one. They've never pursued it, right? If we were to take, say, the most accomplished NHRA racers to not have won a world championship, like that's a no-brainer too. Like that's Tommy Phillips. The dude's won 40 national events. He's finished second six times, seven, I believe, division championships, no world championships. So if, if that's the criteria, like Rizzoli's on that list. He's not at the top of it. Even if we were to... I was actually, I was having this conversation with um, with Austin Williams the other day via text and, and thanks Austin. He shared with me some actual data here to, to kind of back up my arguments. Like even if we're going to um, limit this to the most accomplished quote unquote active NHRA competitors, right? Because you can even remove Tommy Phillips from that discussion. Like Tommy hasn't pursued an NHRA championship in a decade, right? I think he could still do it if he wanted to, to be clear, but I wouldn't call him an active world championship pursuer at this point. So if you want to take most accomplished quote unquote active racers, it's Riz is on that list. It's a short list. I don't, I would make the argument he's not at the top of that. I would think to me, it comes down to two names. I think you can make a good argument for either one of them as the most accomplished racers in NHRA to have not won a championship. I think it's Brad Floor and Tom Stalba. And again, like I'll I'll listen to either argument there for Floor. 22 national event wins. He's the most national event wins of anyone not named Tommy Phillips to not have a world championship. If you want to make the argument for Stalvo, eight division one titles, no world championship. And both of them have flirted with it. Like both of them have been part of the heartbreak that comes with finishing number two, number three, number four, you know, winding down to the end of the season. And if you wanted to expand it from that, like you could even make the argument, you could tell me I'm wrong that it's not Stalvo or Plord. Like you make argument for Jeff Lane. Austin was sending me this information. Jeff Lane has won 13 Lucas Oil Series division championships. 13. The man's won 61 Lucas Oil Series events. 61, according to Drag Race Central. Only 11 national event wins, but like that's a pretty impressive resume also to not have a world championship. And hey. the like I was just kind of going off the top of the dome with this as far as racers, because obviously you think of Rizzoli in that light, like really talented, really accomplished racers that have not won a world championship. There's a lot of names on that list. I'm thinking Gary Emmons, Phil Unruh, Trevor Larson, Leo Glassbrenner, Greg Camplain, Steve Furr, Tom Bayer, Terry Emmons. 
Riz, like the, the list goes on and on and on. But if the, if the statement is simply he would be removed from the top of that list, I disagree. I'd say that's ridiculous. Okay. Fair, uh, fair argument there. Certainly um, would be one of the top racers, but uh, to be at the top of that list, you, you'd have to be, um, you'd have to be on another level. And some of those names you mentioned certainly are, and, you know, I would have to give the nod to, for the top of the list to Brad Plourd because he lives in Alabama now. So uh, certainly, certainly deserves to be at the top of the list because of that. Um, All right, Luke, number four, true, might be true or just plain ridiculous. John LaBoose Jr. will not win the Supercomp National Championship. I mean, that that might be true, but that's ridiculous, Big Jed. Come on. The man's got 677 <laughs> points. John LaBoose Jr. went into the pressure cooker that was the St. Louis Double Divisional last weekend. Not that that race inherently, like that's not Vegas at the end of the year in terms of pressure on everyone. But certainly pressure on him. He's coming into it two races to go, leading the points chase, but with the total that will not win the world championship. Like, had to go in there, had to improve. And he didn't leave St. Louis with a Wally, but he earned as many points as he would have accumulated over the course of the two races had he won one. He went deep in both events, improved his score to 677, which is a massive number. Now, he's done. He cannot earn another point this season, but just... To put it in perspective, for reference, that 677-point total, that's the highest super comp total in the last four years. In fact, over the last decade, I did a little research here, Jay, you'd be proud of me. Over the last decade, there are only three drivers that have accumulated more points in a season than John LaBoost Jr. has accumulated this season. Ray Ray Miller, 679 back in 2019. Austin Williams ran up a score of 687 in 2017. Interesting side note there. That year when Austin Williams put up 687, John LaBoose Jr. finished second with 658, which is the highest second place total of the last decade. So it would be be ironic, I guess, if his, his 677 did not hold up. And then the one other in the last decade, Edmund Richardson, 2014, had a whopping 697 point score to win the Super Comp Championship. My point is, it's rare that anyone bests 677 much less when you just take those 677 points off the table, it becomes that much incrementally harder for anyone else to get that high. I'd be shocked if it happened in the same season. It is possible. Going down that line, Big Jed, trivia time. Evan Richardson has the last, has the, has the most super comp points in the last decade. 2014, he put up 697. In the quote unquote modern era, I believe that the point system, NHRA point system changed in 1995. Since that time, just one driver, one driver, one word, has, a, has eclipsed the 700-point mark in Supercomp. I know this sounds impossible. I want you to name the driver and the year. And I only say that because the driver is super gettable. Okay. Um, can I get any clues? Can, I, can you tell me what division they're from? Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> give it away a little bit. I'll, I'll say this. You could pick a lot of different years, several different years, and still have the right driver. Okay. So was the driver Scotty? No. And in fact, that, that, but that's not completely fair because honestly, Scotty probably had better seasons, but his super comp wins came just before the quote unquote modern era since All the right. point system changed. So let's eliminate Scotty okay. from the discussion. Another multi-time change. Okay. Um, wow. I... Uh... I don't know, Luke. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm not a super comp, uh, uh, you know, statistician here. But uh, is it Stennett? 
You got the name. Give me a year. Um, it hasn't been done in quite some time. If it was Gary Stennett, so I'm going to say it was 2002. Not bad, Jed. Not bad. It was 2005. Gary Stennett. Well, four I it. said five. Exactly. He had it. Four-time world champ Gary Stennett. His best season was 2005. He racked up 705 points. Again, that's the only time in the modern era that anyone in super comp competition has eclipsed the 700-point mark. Now, circling back to John LaBoost and his chances to hold on, so to speak, and win this year's championship, even at 677 points, that massive total, it's not secure. It's not quite over, Big Jim. Devin Eisenhower has the best opportunity to unseat him. Devin Eisenhower is in Dallas this weekend. It is the last race at which he can earn points. You know what he's got to do, Big Jim. If Devin Eisenhower wants to put the one on the scoop in 2024, all he's got to go is all he's got to do is go to Dallas and you were muted, but yes, he's got to win the damn race. I knew I was going to say a bad word, so I muted myself. But yes, <laughs> that's what he has to do. <laughs> Anything short of a victory this weekend in Dallas, Devin Eisenhower will not surpass John Lewis Jr. His season will then be over from a points earnings perspective. There are other drivers that do have a shot, but they would need multiple final rounds in the remaining handful of events. Like in short, Caboose is in good shape. But at the same time, Phil Unruh thought that a year ago. We won't discount Devin Eisenhower's chances. We'll have a little bit more clarity on that this weekend. Now, a, a, a second. How about this? Two trivia times one episode, Big Jim. This one's bonus a little bit. trivia time. Bonus trivia time. Assuming that John LaBoost Jr. holds on to win the Super Comp World Championship, that would then pair with his Super Gas World Championship of a few years ago. And LaBoost would then join a relatively exclusive list of NHRA sportsman competitors who own world championships in multiple categories. Do you have a guess as to how many racers have done that? And then we can go through the list as well. It was, I'll say this, it was fewer than I would have thought. Well, I know Jeff Strickland did. Yeah, there's a handful that did it in the same year, right? Yes, yeah, so you can get yeah, it in the same year. So. Um, pretty sure Scotty fits in there. Um, maybe even my man Rambo. Uh, Luke, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say this is nine racers deep. Okay, okay. I would have in my mind it was like two dozen, right? It's 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 not that many. It's a more exclusive group than I thought. Slightly not as exclusive as you thought. It's if if Caboose does it, he will be the 14th in NHRA history. And I'm I'm 98 sure that I've got that accurate. It's 14 ish, right? It's right in that range. Now, let's go through this exercise. This is fun because, like, with few exceptions, these are gettable, right? You named off David Rampey, Scotty Richardson, Jeff Strickland, right? So that's that's three of the 13 that have done it to this point. Let's start there. Rampey and Scotty are two of the three racers that have accomplished this feat in three separate categories. Who's the other? Uh, in three categories, Jeg Coplin? No. Well, I limited it to the sportsman category. So Jeg's just, okay. I'm, I'm only granting Jeg the one in super gas. Okay. Um, oh, Luke, I, don't, I don't know. I'm at a loss here. Okay. That one was Peter Biondo. Multi-time uh, super stock, once in stock, once in super gas. Seven total championships. I think five in super stock, one in stock, one in super gas. All right. So that's four then of the 13. I don't, I'm not expecting you to get 13, but I think you can get like seven, eight. Right. So just off top of your dome, other names that come to mind. I, I, no looking at the Facebook live chat. 
until this is over. I imagine there's just some, yeah. some chiming in there. Yeah. I'm not checking those answers. Um, oh my goodness. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just up against the wall here drawing a blank, but, uh, but I feel like, um, it's, you know, some stock and super stock champions. Um, is Justin Lamb one? Justin Lamb is one. Twice in stock, thrice in super stock. Good, good. Okay, okay. Um, I feel like maybe Steve Williams has done it in both of the 90 categories. Good guess, but just the super comp championship for Steve. He's got multiple top tens, but one title. Good guess, but wrong. I appreciate that. Um, oh, man. Uh you know, I, is, has Sherman won a title in both of the no, nine this, categories? If he hangs on this year, this will be three, but all in super gas. All in gas. Okay. Oh, Luke, I don't know. I'm, I'm out of answers, man. Okay. So you said David Rampey. I went through this list mentally. I actually added one that didn't belong, and I missed two. One of the ones that I missed, Mike Say. Going back in time a little bit, Mike oh. Say got a, got a world championship in competition eliminator and in super stock. The rest of them are gettable, if not obvious. Like if you just go through a list of some of the best racers of, of all time, like you kind of roll down this. Jeff Taylor, three-time world champ, twice in super stock, once in competition eliminator. Dan Fletcher, one in comp, two in super stock. Anthony Bertozzi owns a championship in top dragster as well as super stock. You'd mentioned Justin Lamb. You'd mentioned Scotty Richardson. Edmund Richardson, five-time NHRA world champion, three of those in super comp, two in stock eliminator. Austin Williams owns a world championship in super comp and in stock. Um, Jimmy Lewis, recently, top sportsman world champ to pair with his super gas championship from years ago. And then the one name that does not belong on this list, I've got a championship in super comp as well as two in super gas. So if Caboose joins that list, it's pretty exclusive company. 14, assuming the boost holds on 13 right now today. Very exclusive company. And obviously the that list being as accomplished as it is and as small as it is, really is a testament to how difficult that uh, that accomplishment is. Like, you know, I can only imagine how challenging it is to to compete at a high enough level in, in a couple of different categories or more to get those championships. And for those of you that have done it, that's uh, it's pretty rare. Air. It's good stuff. The, the one name that I said I, I added that didn't belong, Kevin Helms. I had it in my head that he was a super stock world champion. He's got four all in stock eliminator. I think he won a super stock title in IHRA at one point. Helms don't suck. No, he does not. And I would, I would have thought that he belonged on that list or, or that earned his way on it for sure. <laughs> Great stuff, Luke. All right, number five, true, might be true, or just ridiculous. Bruno Massel Jr. will become the first driver in competition eliminator history to win four world championships in that category. That seems, I'm just shocked that no one's done that. Like, I was looking back through my notes, Frankie Aragona's got three, Rampy's got three. Nobody's won four in competition eliminator. That seems like a, a class that's like dominated. Nobody's won four championships. Bruno's in good shape. I'll, let me go back. That might be true. I think Bruno's going to win. I'm not ready to call it just yet. He currently he leads by four rounds. He still has one divisional event remaining at which he could improve. Presumably, that's going to be Las Vegas. And he's improving a third-round loss. Now, just given the respect that I have for Bruno, I think he's going to go win that race, and it's over. But it's one race. And if he were to fall early, if he was to fail to improve, several racers have a 
reasonable chance to pass up his current mark. David Eaton's probably the most likely among them, but Jim Greenick, Ronnie Bone, Brett Spear, others, like they all need to do pretty serious work. And again, Bruno could put this out of reach by improving or specifically winning that last division title, but it's not a foregone conclusion just yet. That might be true. Okay, good stuff. Uh, certainly in great position to, to get it done, but tough category with some lurkers there. So that'll make it a little more difficult, but Bruno is one of the best. So we'll see how that plays out. All right, Luke, number six, true, might be true or ridiculous. And I think I know the answer here. It's ridiculous. I just want to say it's ridiculous. The the super stock points chase is the most compelling and has the most potential for drama. And we talked about this a little earlier. Tell me what you think. Yeah, no, the super stock chase is incredible. So that's true for now. I say that because the super stock points chase is going to be amazing. There are scenarios in which it could be over in a couple weeks. Like it may not necessarily go to Pomona. Top Dragster could end up being the most memorable because it's almost inevitably going to be decided in Pomona, right? We, we broke down Superstock earlier. Top Dragster, it's Clint Geisy, it's Vince Mussolino. And both of those guys, Jed, like they are primed to post the highest score in the history of Top Dragster. They both are but they both can't win the championship. One of them's got to finish second. And what's crazier still is it's possible, maybe not likely, but it's possible that neither of those guys win the world championship because insert Jeff Strickland, your Alabama boy, Big Jet, with his victory Sunday in St. Louis, Jeff Strickland could flip this whole thing upside down. He can earn points at two remaining events, one divisional, one national. He's in Dallas this weekend. He could take the lead right now with a win at either one of them. Now, to, to win the championship, because Geisy and Mussolino are both likely to improve and exceed that current total, to, to realistically win the championship, Strick probably has to win both of those remaining races, which is a high bar, but he's Jeff Frickin' Strickland, right? Would it shock anybody if he went and won his last two races? No. Um, that said, Glenn Geisy, Vince Mussolino, they're the favorites. And... They're in relatively equal position right now. Mussolino has more opportunities in terms of more races that he can go to and improve, but he's also got very, very little margin for error, right? Clint Geisy, he's not at Dallas this week. Um, so for him, it's just going to be the Vegas Divisional and the, the season finale at Pomona left for him. He's improving a second round loss at both. So odds are he's going to improve his score. Vince Mussolino right now today, he's 40 points back but he gets full points this weekend in Dallas. So that means that if he were to win round one, he's your new leader on Monday. This is only his third national event. So like I say, there's that's part's good, right? You get, you get full points at your next one. The problem is there's only one more national event on the schedule after this. So he's going to be one race short, no matter how it breaks down at Dallas, he's going to go to Pomona improving a first round loss. Mussolino also has two opportunities to improve on the division level where he's got Four wins, can improve those. One quarterfinal. So two races to improve one quarterfinal. The remaining divisionals, keep in mind, Vince is in Dallas. The remaining divisionals, like we could have another Jimmy Lewis scenario here. If Vince wants to go to all the races, he could. He could leave Dallas, go to Rockingham, leave Rockingham, go to Vegas, leave Vegas, go to Pomona. That's on the table for him. I don't know that it's worth doing from a divisional standpoint. Like maybe he just puts all his eggs in one basket at Vegas. 
it's um, he's got to improve a, a quarterfinal at Vegas. You get one more round, so you could actually have more points on the table. Maybe he doesn't backtrack and go to Rockingham, but that's all on the table for him. Like he could go full on Jimmy Lewis on him. My point, I guess, in zooming out from this is there's almost no conceivable scenario in which top dragster is decided before Pomona. And the likely players are Mussolino and Gaisi from opposite sides of the country. They will both be in Pomona. They could go head to head. So I'll, I'll reserve the right to say that that finish could be even more dramatic, could be even more compelling than that incredible superstock battle as we wind the season down. It definitely sounds like there will uh, will be some amazing finishes in at least one category, maybe multiple. So it's what we uh, what we get excited about. So we'll see how that works out. Luke, last one on the list, and this one this one even hurts me to to say, but I'm going to put it out there, and you respond. Someone, anyone, will steal Sherman Adcock Jr.'s Super Gas title in 2023. There we go, Big Jed. That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, that's what I like to hear. But it's possible. We, we went through Austin Williams' scenario before. Austin would have to, in order to unseat Sherman Adcock atop the standings, Austin would not only have to win two of his remaining four races. Like that's, a, that's a tall order to begin with, but he is Austin Williams. But in addition to that, one of those wins has to come in his last divisional event which will be in Las Vegas. So not only does he have to win twice, one of them has to be the Vegas division. The other, like if you're just wanting to fade Sherman Adcock Jr., your hopes rest on Austin Williams doing the unthinkable and or Trevor Larson. Um, we talked about Larson a little bit a couple of weeks ago. He's not even in the top 10 right now. Trevor Larson is 200 plus points out of the lead. That sounds like a lot, right, Jed? 200 points, that's a lot. Trevor Larson gets full points. Like he gets show up points at not just Dallas this weekend, but at his next two national events. So if let's say Trevor Larson were to win his next two national events, he's the leader. He's the champ. That's all it takes. Got win two. He's also improving a third round loss at his last divisional event. Now there's only three national events left. There's only one divisional event left that Trevor Larson will be at. So that's a tall order. We're talking multiple final rounds at minimum. But it's conceivable. The bottom line here is it's ridiculous. Sherman's going to win, but he's going to have to sweat this out for at least a few more weeks. But in the end, that's ridiculous. Sherman Adcock, 678 points, is going to make him a national champion for the third time. That's what we like to hear, Luke. Now, this did seem this seemed like a you know a, a wrapped up deal months ago, but Sherm's back half of the season has not been anywhere near what his front half was or his front third. And uh, and he's he's put in a position now where I guess he could surrender the points lead. But again, it's going to take some amazing performances to get that done. So I love your uh, that's ridiculous answer there. Uh, let's hope that's definitely remains the case. All right, Luke, good stuff. That was fun stuff. The biggest thing that a racer like Devin Eisenhower or Jeff Strickland or Trevor Larson has working against them in that they need to win this weekend is that you could argue that this weekend is the biggest hornet's nest on the NHRA tour as it applies to the Lucas Oil Sportsman categories. And that's because it is home to the Jags All-Stars. Big Jed, we try to do this each and every season. Let's do an abbreviated version of the Jegs All-Stars preview. We've got the rosters in front of us. We won't necessarily read through them for uh, for every single division, but let's make some predictions. 
Who's going to win the overall team championship, Big Jed? Are you going with the uh, the creative Southeast Divisioners, or are you going to surprise me here? Look, my my Southeast Division team has Hugh Meeks and Sherman Adcock twice. There's zero chance of me picking any. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, you knew this already. We're we're very bland in terms of our our tagline, but we're still badass. And I am picking Division Two to bring home the championship. And and we say it every year, but this is a phenomenal phenomenal field so much talent and ability it's going to be a blast see how it works out who are you going with Luke it's hard to bet against that crew and the talent just assimilated in that pit area much less across division two so I'll give you that I'm looking this over and I just I I know that traditionally the high and mighty is at least they have a little bit more creative moniker for their division the traditionally the high and mighty division five has not had tremendous success in this event. I like this D5 team, Big Jed. I I mean, obviously, there's talent throughout this field. I just, I like this group. I get Jim Greenick and Comp Eliminator, Tyler Wadarzik and Superstar, Tom Kane, who we just talked about on last week's show and how good a season he's having in Stock Eliminator, Chris Bishop in Super Comp, Roger Sauter, who has been on fire this year in Super Gas, Donnie Durenberger in Super Street, Matt Kreft, tremendous driver, underrated driver in top dragster, and Alan Firestone in top sportsman. I like that D5 team, Big Jed. Give me D5 high and mighty, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, very talented team, a solid pick, and it really wouldn't matter what division you pick, Luke. Uh, Everybody's going to send a great team to Dallas and a a very competitive team. This is going to be great to see how this all works out and what division emerges as the, uh, the number one division this year in the JEGS All-Stars and, uh, you know, tie that in with the national event. Really good stuff. It's going to be a great event. Uh, a lot of those Division Four racers will be right at home there at Dallas. So they'll be hard to handle as they always are. But Division Two, can't wait to talk to talk about you and your great performance here on the next show. Luke, we got a little bit of – sorry. I was going to say briefly, let's just go through it class by class. I know this is super entertaining listening, but shoot from the hip. Give me the winner in competition eliminator. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Comp eliminator. I'm going to have to say that would be, I like Cody Lane. Ooh, you stole my thunder. I was thinking Cody Lane, that little peanut motor. It's the fall. It's good air. I I like Cody's chances there. So if I got to go somewhere else, give me. Give me the hometown runner. Give me Chase Williams, Comp Eliminator. I'll go first in Superstock. I can't steal Hugh from you. I got to leave Hugh on the table, don't I? Um, yeah, I'll just stick with my. I'll stick with my D five. Tyler W. I think he's going to lead the high and mighty to the team championship with a Superstock win. Give me Tyler with Darcy. Okay, I'm going Hugh Meeks. Uh, I just can't pick against him because because uh, of how much love I have for him. But he's also freaking good enough to get it done. So let's go, Julio. Julio, stock eliminator, Big Jet. Well, as much as I'd love to pick Jeff Longany because he is Division Two, I got to go with the original Tex-Mex right here. Oh. I'm going with my man Jeff Lopez. I know I took yours and I love You did, Damon. I I, I'm not sure that Jeff staged, has staged up for a round of stock eliminator in 2023, but that's just Jeff's style. He's going to roll in there with something that he'll probably roll out of the trailer. It won't idle. He'll work on it for two days, and he'll kick everybody's. That's how it's going to work. Um <laughs> Yeah, I'll just I'm just gonna double up on you because I can't beat I can't bet against the Tex Mex. We'll, we'll both Love. go double up. 
Jeff Lopez and Stock Eliminator. In Super Comp, the 890 category, I guess like when I say I'm going to Division Three here, the thought would be that I'm going to take Devin Eisenhower. He's the blocker because he won the damn race last year. And that'd be a great pick. But I'm going to stick with Division Three and the one that actually earns points for the land of the winners. My man, Double D, Big Jed. Double D has yet to win a national event. This is the breakthrough right here. He's going to win the Jags All-Stars, put that name on the map. That is one of, if not the most talented drivers to not have that level of success. Jags All-Stars is a good place for him to kick it off. Double D to the front. I like that pick. Love Double D as uh, as your choice there. Certainly was one of the ones that that I felt like could get it done. And, uh, you know, uh, selfishly would like to see Double D get it done. Derek's just a likable dude. But, Luke, I'm going to go with the guy that, you know, we thought could possibly get a stranglehold on this category and run away with it early in the year. And that's Tanner Theobald. Uh, Tanner, obviously a tremendous racer out of Division 7, going to be out there racing in Dallas. And I'm sure, you know, it'll be a pretty exciting thing for him. But I think he gets himself calmed and steadied and makes a run at this thing. So I'm going the goodest looking racer in the field by far, Tanner Theobald. The snake draft brings it back to you and gives you prime opportunity to steal my super gas pick, Jed, and I think that's where you're going. Well, Luke, I love a lot of the racers on this list and a lot of the names. And, you know, there's some legends, but I ain't picking against my boy Sherm, Sherman Adcock, baby, getting it done in super gas and showing why he's going to be your 2023 champion in that category. That's, that's not ridiculous. That's not ridiculous. Of course, you stole my thunder yet again. Just to change things up, I will go, you know what? Like the smart money here would be to take Austin Williams, especially at Dallas. Um, but I just yeah. got a feeling, Big Jed. I, I, I think I said this for Indy too, and I was wrong, but I think the sentiment was right. Bob Locke is not going the season getting shut out. Bob Locke, you're reigning oh. world champ. Yeah, he's going to be your Jake's All-Star champ. That just feels right. Give me Bob Locke. Great choice there. I love it. We'll slow it down a second. We'll go to the 1090 category. Uh, Where do I want to go here? You could go with the defending champ, John Dexter. And I'm telling you, Jed, I've raced in Division 7 a good amount over the course of the last two years. I don't think I've seen John Dexter stage and not go 1090. He goes 10 freaking 90. I mean, like it's going out of style. But I'm going to go, let's bring another one back to D3 here. Give me Phil Smyther. Phil Smyta, yeah, yeah, that one, but to me was easy. Luke Phil Smyta is a is a, a ten ninety win light machine, absolute machine. I love the pick, and just because of that, I am going to go with you and pick Phil Smyta. I'm gonna I'm gonna back up your pick with making him mine as well. We're doubling up on the Tex Mex and the Smyta. All right, top dragster goes to you, my friend. You get the honors. Top dragster is uh, is a category that I think any of these racers could win, but how could you bet against really the hottest dude in the class right now? Uh, Al Kenny's the one I would like to pick, but I'm going Brandon Miller. Look, uh, I'm glad I get first pick. But Brandon Miller on fire right now, driving extremely well, and a very talented field, of course. I like his odds. Brandon Miller comes in as your reigning champ, defending champ in top dragster. He'll be pulling double duty. He's in top dragster and top sportsman. You're picking him in the top dragster category. I'll go. I said Matt Kraft was my guy when I picked B5. Give me, just change it up a little bit. I want to go with 
Peeler, I want to go with Smiley Riley, Al Kenny, Rusty Baxter. Give me Peeler. Peeler to the front, top dragster, top sportsman. Uh, I don't want to go the soon-to-be-crowned world champion in Brandon Miller. Do I want to go the reigning champion in Lance Abbott? No, I don't want to go with either one of them. Give me Kurt Frederick. Kurt Frederick. I picked all the Division Three guys, and I picked Division Five to win this thing. What am I thinking? Kurt Frederick is my pick in top sportsman. <laughs> Brandon Miller, certainly the easy choice to make here. Uh, obviously, spoke about how good a season he's having, driving great. Picked him in the top dragster category. Should pick him in the top sportsman category, but I can't put all my eggs in his basket, Luke. I'm going with Alan Firestone just because the name is so freaking cool. How awesome would it be for your last name to be Firestone or Goodyear or something like that legendary brand? So who's your one, Alan Firestone? Yeah, who's your, uh, as much as I, I love that brand, I don't know that. You know, it would be cool to have my last name as Hoosier. Right. Bob Oomt for MT. <laughs> yeah. No, not good. <laughs> not as cool. <laughs> no. And by the way, the last name on that list, the, the blocker for for, uh, for top sportsman, that's one of those names that you might could have gotten me on, you know, adult film star, Olympic <laughs> athlete or sportsman drag racer. Ron Regal just sounds like a. I don't know. That one sounds like he could, you know, make movies for a living. <laughs> so <laughs> so he, you might could have got me on that. Ron Regal laying. I think he's pretty sure that's a nitrous car. He's laying down, laying down a lot of nitrous. I bet he is. I bet he is. <laughs> that's right, it. Luke, that's the show. Stuff. Jed's got Division Two. Cody Lang, Hugh Meeks, the original Tex-Mex, the best looking man in Supercon, Sherman Adcock Jr., Phil Smider, Brandon Miller, and Top Dragster, and Alan Goodyear. I've got <laughs> Division 5, Chase Williams, Tyler Wadarczyk, the original Tex-Mex, the Double D. I'm heavy on nicknames on my list. Bob Locke, Phil Smyder, Al Peebler, Kurt Frederick. Out of those, I mean, we probably got like one right each. Odds are in our favor. We got something, right? Yeah. I mean, if you get one or two here, I think that's a home run. Yeah. It feels tough. Yeah, I agree. That's ridiculous. Great stuff, Luke. Uh, next week's show, we'll talk about all. We'll talk about who uh, who emerged to as champions and how the points were or were not impacted. That'll be interesting stuff as we recap the Dallas national event and the Jags all-star shootout. Uh, that'll be fun to talk about. Obviously the, the week that we'll record is the week of the great American bracket races, 500 K at Montgomery international dragway. That's going to be cool. Uh, certainly a huge event that we'll preview and discuss and, I'm sure we'll throw some potential winners out in that discussion as well. And uh, this weekend, uh, JJ and I both will be at uh, the Mike Smith Memorial Race. Uh, everybody remembers our great friend Mike Smith that passed a few years ago, uh, the, the Memorial Race. I think this is the third annual for him uh, at, uh, at Montgomery International Dragway, which will which obviously lead into the Great American 500K. So, Mike Smith Memorial is going to be a good one. We'll we'll probably highlight a few winners from that event as well. And um, there's going to be plenty to talk about, Luke. Josh Baker. Oh, wait, you said we do that next. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, we'll get to that next week. But uh, that wraps us up. Really good show. Lots of good stuff. Enjoyed the game. I think you were spot on with your responses there. So be interesting to see how accurate you were when it's chases all wrap up and those champions are crowned. So, Folks, thank you for tuning in. Uh, certainly, if uh, if you're watching us tonight live, 
We're glad you were tuned in watching. If you're just listening on Friday, which is tomorrow, by the way, we're doing a little bit later in the week this week. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. And if you did both, then uh, get yourself checked out because you got real, real problem. You need something else to do. Um, but if you want to talk to us about something that we said on the show, should have said, didn't say, should never say again, whatever, there's a place to do that. It's the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page right here where you're watching. If you're watching, go right there and uh, tell us what you got to say or send us a private message and producer Mark will snag it up and let us know what you had to say. Luke, I didn't really see you go to the pad. Maybe you snuck some in there. You got any shouts this week? No, I'm, I'm slacking. I'm slacking. If we get a if we get any reviews on the show, I, I just I get a, I get the feeling it's going to be overwhelmingly. That's ridiculous. <laughs> okay, well, you could be you could be correct. We'll see, but certainly look forward to hearing anybody's opinion. Uh, obviously, Luke and I are very active on the Twitter, uh, also known as the X. Uh, if you want to get us there, add us, tag us. Tweet us, whatever you do. Luke, is that Luke Bogaki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I. I am at JP11X. Thank you again for watching or listening. And we can't wait to talk to you again next week about more sportsman drag racing. See you guys. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.